And like, once I relaxed my forehead, it was like, I think maybe I was just focusing on relaxing my forehead, but it didn't hurt anymore. I was like, wow, okay, this is fine. And when she was coming out, her shoulder was like a bit wonky. So they had to push her quite diff- er, quite hard on my belly to get her out. Um, but she was out within 12 minutes of me starting pushing. Welcome to this episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Wasa Holstein. I'm a Swedish midwife, a healthcare entrepreneur, and a very proud mother of three beautiful See My Big Children. As a midwife working in Sweden, I've had the honor of helping a large number of women during the process of giving birth. And I know that there are as many birth stories as there are women. Each birth story as unique as its woman. I also know that there are more positive stories than negative ones. So in this podcast, my aim is to let these stories come to life because listening to positive stories is a powerful way to prepare for birth. In this episode, we will hear Kenzie's story about a fast birth that includes a bit of drama with bleeding after baby is born, but in the end is a positive experience, making Kenzie texting all her friends that I am a superhero. This is a podcast with women for women. So Kenzie, I welcome you to the Positive Birth Story podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. What would you say made your birth into such a positive experience? The fact that it happened so fast. I didn't have time to stress about anything because it really happened within the blink of an eye, it seemed. Was it something that you had anticipated prior to giving birth? Yes and no. Uh, My mom had really fast births, so I expected to be a little bit like her. (laughs) And how would you describe yourself as a person? Uh, I'm usually quite timely. And quite organized. So before my daughter was born, I don't think I was ever late. I was always 15 minutes early to everything. Um, I like to have everything planned out. If I know that I need to be out the door at a certain time, my shoes are by the door, my jacket's by the door, everything's ready to go. Uh, I'm kind of a control freak, maybe. And now I can't be as much of a control freak because with a small child at home, you don't have that opportunity because you never know what's going to happen. Oh, that's true. So did this, uh, did your personality, you think, reflect on how you approached birth preparation? Yes and no, because I think my personality, I am very organized. But when it came to preparing for the birth, I was a bit more laid back. Uh, so I didn't pack my hospital bag until I was like 39 weeks pregnant because, you know, ah, it's fine. I, I kept working until I was almost 40 weeks pregnant. So I became more laid back as the time went, but I did read a lot. So I read a lot of blogs and I joined a lot of mom groups on Facebook and was really like interested in other people's stories because I wanted to be a little bit prepared because I would have liked to have known, okay, everything's ready to go when it was time to go to the hospital instead of my partner running around like a madman while we're like trying to get out of the house to go to the hospital and I'm on all fours, can't move. Uh, (laughs) If you would have had the chance to redo the preparation, what would you have added to the preparation? I would have packed my bag way earlier um, and I probably would have taken classes because I watched some YouTube videos on like breathing methods, um, but I never took a class and I, I actually regret not taking a class because I labored at home for maybe four or five hours ish 
when my contractions were regular, but my husband didn't know what to do. And I think that if we had taken classes, he would have been able to help a little bit more during that process rather than feeling a little bit alone during that. That is my experience as a midwife uh, conducting childbirth education classes like Lamas classes, that it's so useful for the partner mm. and for the woman and the partner as a team to know what's needed to be done during mm. birth and how the partner can support you. Mm. Did you enjoy being pregnant? I hated it with everything in my being. <laughs> that maybe that is probably something really terrible to say. Uh, but the first probably 20, the two weeks I threw up every single morning I hated everything because all I did was throw up uh, I couldn't drink coffee and I really like coffee and I couldn't I just felt like I didn't enjoy myself um, and then she laid a bit funny in my belly so for half of the pregnancy she had her head under one side of my ribs and her feet under the other so I had constant pain in my ribs mm. uh, from both sides and I am highly allergic to any sort of tape But we didn't realize at the time that I am as allergic as I was. So I got burns. You did, like, from the tape. From the tape and couldn't wear a bra. It was really terrible. I love that you say that you hated being pregnant. You know, this is what I want this podcast to be about. Like, there are so many different feelings and emotions and everything is everything is okay to feel. Yeah. Um, and then they were worried because my stomach didn't grow out that the baby was going to be too small and the baby still moved inside of me. So I felt that everything was okay, but they were worried because my measurement didn't grow. And then we went for the ultrasound and they're like, no, no, everything's fine. She is perfectly normal. Uh, she'll probably be like a bit on the small side, but everything is normal. Uh, so it was a lot of worry and stress. And ugh, by the end of my pregnancy, some of my colleagues didn't realize that I was pregnant. Were you able to connect to your baby during pregnancy since yes. it was such a hard pregnancy? I, there were, it went up and down. Uh, so there were some days that I just, I really felt like I was not going to be a mom. It was like, I don't know, very strange. But then there were other days that I would be by myself. Like I remember one morning I was on the train to town and I was drinking Starbucks and she was like kicking and I was going to go Christmas shopping. And I was like, this is what life is made to be. Because it was such like a, it was, I couldn't wait for her to be here so that I could actually drink a coffee and go Christmas shopping with her. Uh, but then of course there were days that were really hard that I, I will do whatever it takes for this baby to come out. So it was St. Patrick's Day and there's the St. Patrick's Day parade here in Gamlestan. Uh, so we like went to that and that was my goal. I'm going to walk this baby out today, even though she wasn't due for two more weeks. I just, I didn't want it anymore. I wanted her here. You were done. Yeah. So uh, bring us back to the day when birth started. Was it actually at the St. Patrick's Day parade no. then? <laughs> Unfortunately not. I was pregnant for another, uh, probably about three weeks, I think. I love that because we have this idea that we can decide upon when the baby is going to be born. Mm. And, you know, maybe uh, for some women that is true. But if the baby isn't ready, it doesn't matter how much you think about no. it or how much you walk. It's not going to happen. No. So my due date was April 5th. Um, and I had said since I found out that I was pregnant that I did not by any means want this child to come on April 7th. No way, no how. Because that's the anniversary of the Stockholm terrorist attack. And I was here in town when it happened. So it's a very uh, sad day for me. Because it brings back a lot of memories. And, and my nephew was also born the same day. <laughs> so I didn't want my, my child to share a birthday with my nephew. So April 5th comes and goes. 
April 6th comes and goes. We're watching A Dog's Purpose, which is a super cute film. Um, and I'm like crying my eyes out because it's a bit sad. <laughs> and <laughs> then I go to the bathroom um, and it's quite late. I think it was probably about midnight and I'm like, we're like getting ready to go to bed. So I go to the bathroom and I'm getting ready to brush my teeth. And I noticed that my bloody show had happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is happening. Cool. So I like brush my teeth and then go out and my partner's sitting on the sofa. And I was like, okay, babe, we're going to have a baby this weekend. He's like, what? Like, of course we're going to have a baby soon. Like, no, she's coming this weekend. Like, I just lost my bloody show. He's like, okay, I don't know what that is, but sure. <laughs> so I was a bit excited and then like went and laid down and had a bit of mince cramps. But I'd been having Braxton Hicks for the last month. So I was like, okay, this is like no big deal. My body's just preparing. And then I woke up like seven in the morning. I think I woke up a lot in the night, but I don't really remember. Like, And now we're talking about April 7th. Yeah. So I get up at like seven in the morning or something and I'm having some pretty bad cramps, but they're not so consistent. It's like nine, 13, 20 minutes apart. So I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and I get in the bath because I'm like, yeah, I just, I need something to relax before I make breakfast because my partner is still asleep. He likes to have sleep mornings on the weekend. Uh, so I like take a bath and, and ride my best friend who's had a baby and like, okay, but what do you think? Could it be something happening? She's like, yeah, I think if the contractions get closer together, you should probably call the hospital. Uh, but it sounds like everything is fine. Uh, so I get out of the bath and I go and make a big breakfast. I made like homemade croissants and like boiled eggs and it was like a feast. <laughs> and ate breakfast and I'm having contractions off and on while I'm cooking breakfast. So I'm like leaning over the kitchen counter. Are you breathing through them? Yeah, or I'm how just are breathing you through them. Oh. Just breathing through them. I'm super calm at this point. My partner's still asleep, has no idea what's going on. Um, and then we eat breakfast together and... Uh, I'm like, okay, babe, I'm kind of hurting, but I would like to get a f- go on a walk. Let's go get some fresh air before the, there's a memorial service that they were showing on TV that I really wanted to see. And I was stopping every five minutes, bending over, because it was really, really painful. But we continue walking, and he's laughing at me because I'm like, okay, we have to stop. And then we're almost home, and we meet one of my students. And she's like, oh, hey, Kinsey, how's it going? And, you know, I don't want to tell her that I'm currently in labor. So I'm trying to be calm and, oh, it's great, you know, uh, just out here on a nice morning walk. <laughs> we go home um, and it's like maybe 12 o'clock by this time, but I'm I'm kind of hurting. So we call the hospital and they're like, yeah, it sounds like something is happening, but the contractions still aren't consistent. I'm still have it's like seven, nine, 11 minutes apart. So, so it's still an erratic Yeah, pattern. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think you should take an Alvedon, take a bath and lay down. And an Alvedon is a paracetamol. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I guess I should have said that. So I take two and take another bath. And I'm like, I cannot be in the bathtub because it's hurting quite bad to sit. And I don't want to sit anymore. So I get up and I go into the living room. And in between contractions, I'm like coloring and my coloring book because I thought that it would help me relax. And somebody told me, like, you just need to relax. So I'm like, you know, enjoying my coloring and eh, every few minutes, like standing up and leaning over the sofa. And my partner doesn't know what to do. So he's just like looking at me. And then after a while, we got out tennis balls. And he started using the tennis balls as massage method 
during the contractions, which actually helped quite a lot. And where did you uh, use them? On my lower back. Mm. And it was so lovely. Like leaning over my sofa with the tennis balls on my lower back. I still remember how wonderful it felt. Did you have two tennis balls and one on each side? No, he or? had just one and he pushed it quite hard because uh. since he has a physical therapy background, he's quite good at massaging. Oh, knowing the spots on yeah, somewhere to so massage. That was, that was quite oh. good. I was really what lucky in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we decided to eat something. So we made uh, meatballs and pasta with ketchup. And then the um, memorial service for the terrorist attack started. And I'm sitting there crying my eyes out because it's a very emotional day for me, having contractions every few minutes. <laughs> and we get the, so we watch that, and then it's over. Um, and at this point, I am hurting very, 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 very badly, like almost in tears every contraction. And where did you feel those sensations from? It the, was a lot in my lower back and in my sides. I remember that like my sides were so tense. Um, so it felt because I have pretty bad period cramps. So it reminded me a bit like that, but so much more intense. So we decided to go lay down in the bed. And I was like, can you please just massage my back? Like, I just don't talk to me, just massage. And he starts timing the contractions because I can't think to time them, but they're still not consistent. But I could not do it anymore at home. I needed help. So we call. Well, you got that feeling strongly that I need yeah. to go there because that's what I advise women because there is that, that's one of the most commonly asked questions. Mm. When will I know that it's time to go into the hospital? <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. know it. So we get in the car and we live. You have to walk maybe normal three minutes to get to the parking lot. It took me maybe seven because I had to stop on the way to the car, um, and I sit in the front seat. Because the car seat was buckled in in the back seat and I didn't want to take it out to lay down. Uh, so I'm sitting in the front seat and we get on the highway to go to the hospital and we're like merging onto the expressway and my husband almost wrecks the car because I'm like half screaming, <laughs> looking like I'm dying beside him. Oh, he's, uh, he's super stressed by now. Or? Yeah, he's super stressed by now because we know that like this baby's coming soon. And I now know this, but I didn't know this at the time that I was in my transitional phase. Mm. while I was in the car on the way to the hospital. So if somebody from the outside was looking in, I probably looked like I was going through an exorcism because I was holding on to the bar in the car, lifting myself up with every single contraction. And it takes about 30 minutes or so to get to the hospital, but I think it may have taken us a little bit less time because it was a Saturday afternoon or evening, so nobody was on the road. Um, and now in the car with these strong contractions that you're describing, uh, how did you cope with them? My husband kept telling me to breathe. And like, you did? I tried. I would grit my teeth quite a lot because it really did. I mean, it was horrible pain. Uh, but he kept telling me, like, remember, breathe. Like, you've got this. Just breathe. Just breathe. I'm like, shut up. Don't tell me to breathe. <laughs> because I don't, you know, I don't want somebody... <sighs> to talk to me right now. You know, I just want to be in my own bubble. So he um, disturbed you, kind of. Kind of. And normally, I mean, I think he's quite nice. I don't mind if he talks to me. But at this moment, no, do not talk to me. We parked the car at 17.37. And this is like super in my head and will be in my head for the entire time. Uh, because at 19.02, my daughter came into the world. Uh, so what happened when you were accepted to the hospital? Yeah, so I walk in. 
And they knew we were coming, so we, like, ring the doorbell or whatever, and they come. And I had to go to the bathroom, so I, like, stopped and went in there, and, like, my husband gave them my ID and everything. And I chose to take everything in English, regardless of the fact I can speak Swedish, because I wanted... I, when I'm in that much pain, I think better in English. Um, and she's like, okay. And I was like, give me drugs now. She's like, no, but we, we have to do some checks first. And we need to make sure you're actually in labor. And then we can talk about our options. So this aim of yours to have a drug-free birth, birth oh. because of the fear of needles, it wasn't there yeah, anymore. Yeah, it wasn't there anymore because I was in so much pain. Uh, so we go into the room and they hook me up to the machine and they're like watching my contractions. And they, I think I was hooked up. They said that I would be hooked up for 20 minutes. But at this time, they actually started coming like, almost on top of each other. So I would think I was only hooked up for like maybe 12 or 15 minutes before they came back and they're like, yeah, it, it looks like you're in labor. <laughs> and then checked me and to see how dilated I was. And they're like, wow, you're seven centimeters dilated. Good job. And the nurses that are in the room started to like give me an applause. So it's like, okay, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, me walking all this time has really helped me. I don't know. Um, Did you feel happy about hearing that, that you were already in seven centimeters dilated? Oh, you were a bit scared now. Yeah, because it was like, wow, that's really fast. Because I hear everyone goes to the hospital at like three or four. And I'm seven, and that's like a lot more than three. So it's a bit of a scary feeling. Um, and then at this time, they're like, okay, but do you want medicine? Or like, do you want some kind of drug? Like, yeah, uh, I want to try the laughing gas. Just because I needed something, but I still don't really want an epidural, but I kind of do. Uh, and I asked them, like, if I want an epidural at any time, can I have it? They're like, yes, of course, just ask. So I'm like, okay, fine. So they're teaching me how to use the laughing gas. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I remember, like, feeling like an idiot because I couldn't figure it out. I kept, like, not blowing into it when I was supposed to blow in. It was terrible. And I just felt drunk. And I was super giggly. And when I get drunk, I'm, like, apologetic and... I'm silly. So the whole time I was feeling very silly. And I'm using the laughing gas and it's nice because I can see on the screen when a contraction is coming. So I like know when to use the laughing gas, but I'm still not doing it right. Because yeah, I never got it right. Uh, and before the, uh, the midwife could leave the room to go book me into the hospital, I got the urge to poop. And I told her, like, I said some inappropriate words, I think, but like, I'm going to poop myself. And she was like, Yeah, I hear that in your voice. Uh, I'm just gonna check. And when she checked, I was crowning. She's like, okay, uh, this baby's coming now. And because it was my first birth, they needed to have two midwives in the room. And then the midwife's helper was gonna be there as well. Uh, which was good because I really, the midwife's helper is like, she was my favorite person during my entire delivery. Uh, she was my helper, to say the least. Um, So they like go running to go find more people to like help deliver this baby. And by now, are you in the bed or are you standing yeah, beside I'm in the bed? The bed or? I'm in the bed, um, but they don't have the leg part on the bed. So I'm just like sitting there uh, with my legs like spread. Um, and yeah, it was probably not the most comfortable position, but it's what had it had to be because it happened so fast I didn't have time to move and your partner where is he he's sitting on a chair like beside me and holding my hand and then like if I need they, they showed him how to press in my hips during contraction so he was like helping me out a little bit there uh, but he was beside me the entire time 
After they checked and the other midwives come in, it's time to push. <laughs> There's like no changing it. So I ask for an epidural because I'm scared. And they're like, yeah, I'm really sorry, but it's too late. Like, yeah, but, but you just told me that I could have it whenever I wanted. And now I can't? Like, no, but you just told me. And they're like, I'm sorry. Like, it's time to push. And at this point, they also take away the laughing gas because they need me to focus. So I'm like pushing and it hurts quite bad because it's happening rather quickly. And I'm, I start screaming or I don't know if it's a scream or like grunting, I guess. And it's quite loud. And the midwife helper kept telling me, relax your forehead, relax your forehead. And she would actually like, kind of like tap my forehead, relax your forehead. And so that's what did I you? did. Yeah, you did that. Yeah. And like, once I relaxed my forehead, it was like, I think maybe I was just focusing on relaxing my forehead, but it didn't hurt anymore. It was like, wow, okay, this is fine. Uh, and when she was coming out, her shoulder was like a bit wonky. So they had to push her quite, diff uh, quite hard on my belly to get her out. Um, but she was out within 12 minutes. How did that make you feel afterwards? Were you in shock for it being such a fast birth? Yeah, I think I was a bit in shock. I ended up losing quite a lot of blood. So I was like a bit scared because it's like, I mean, seriously, there was blood everywhere. So when you say that you had big bleeding, mm -hmm. how much blood did you lose? A liter. Oh, that's good that you say that because there is, um, it's within the normal range. Yeah. I want to say that to yeah. the listeners. We have one more liter of blood one extra liter of blood mm. at the end of pregnancy to have room for uh, a bigger bleeding mm. when baby is born. So that is still within the normal oh, range. I'm covered. I'm, I didn't have time to change my clothes. So I'm still in like my husband's sweatshirt and it's covered in blood. I'm covered in blood. And there's this like strange child on me. Like what just happened? And I don't remember like the first moments after she was born because I think I was so like surprised that it happened so fast. I don't remember if she cried. I don't remember them putting her on my chest. I don't remember anything. It's like I blacked out or something. I mean, I know that I was like awake, but I don't remember the minutes after. And I, to this, like to till this day, like I feel a bit bad because I don't remember the first look at my child. Mm. It's not so unusual when birth goes so rapidly. Okay. So. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> it, because you have a hard time just coping with staying in the body without going insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and after you stopped bleeding, mm -hmm. were you able to connect to her? Yeah, then? it was like... Because I they gave me shots of oxytocin, Oxyto I think. Some kind of oxytocin. Yeah. It's um, named differently in different countries. But it is used to make the uterus contract yes. and stop the bleeding. So they ended up having to give me two shots in my thigh. And so after I stopped bleeding, they, I remember that they put her on my chest and I was, for some reason, before I went to the hospital, I was smart enough to put on a nursing bra, which is actually quite good because I didn't have time to change into a gown. So I was able to have like her on my chest and we tried to get her to latch, but she didn't want to latch at the time. Uh, so it was a bit of a connection, but I, I remember reading and like hearing that everyone cries as soon as the baby was born. But I didn't cry at that point. I just was so surprised. Like, this kid is really here. She came so fast. I mean, like, it went... We parked the car less than an hour and a half before she was born. So it's like, how do I go from, like, not being a parent to being a parent in such a short time? Because I had expected, you know, to have this long birth. 
where I would have time to prepare to meet my kid. And then I didn't. So it was a bit strange in that aspect. Uh, but I do think that we ended up connecting quite well after that. I remember waking up in the hotel the night after. And like every, because they told me, you know, wake up every couple hours and try and feed her. So I like woke up and I'm like sitting there just staring at her. And I just started crying at this point, you know, hours later, because like, wow, this is my child. She's actually here, like for real. And then I'm like looking at my husband and, you know, he's snoring in the bed beside me and the baby's sleeping. And I'm like, this is like what I've been waiting for. And that's one of my like favorite memories is just sitting awake by myself in the hotel room. It's probably 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just staring at this little tiny baby that was just born. I think for some listeners listening, this what you describe can sound a little bit scary. Mm. It going so fast, <laughs> it being very painful, and and uh, the amount of blood that you're uh. describing. Uh, but despite that, you have such a positive experience. From yeah, it. I think that overall, everyone was so helpful and everyone was so nice, and like it was just really because for me, that day in general is such a bad day. And I remember telling my husband after, like, this day is no longer bad. It's like, we named our daughter Elena, which actually means, like, light. So it's like she brought the light to this terrible day. And it was so unexpected, you know, because I was convinced that she's not coming this day. But now that day is such a happy day for me. And even though it was painful and it was bloody, it was such a good experience because it was such a happy time I didn't have time to be like sad or scared of course I was scared but it was still exciting and I think overall like the fact that everyone was so helpful and the midwife that was there relax your forehead relax your forehead it was just like it's like everything was the way it was supposed to be it was supposed to be that fast did anything during uh, birth disturb you my husband's voice uh, <laughs> I love him. And if he's listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, whenever we were like in the car on the way to the hospital, I didn't want him to talk to me. And I actually asked him to turn off the music as well because I did not want any noise. Uh, and during the contractions, during the day, I would ask him to be quiet. I think I more than likely said words that were not so nice um, because I really did not want to hear him talking. Uh, but normally we can have conversations all day long, every day, and it's no problem. But during that time, just his voice was driving me absolutely insane. Do you think it was because you had this enormous need of being focused I during the contractions? I think so. Uh, because if you were talking to me under the contractions, I needed to think about breathing or some sort of pain management, especially at the end. Um, so I couldn't think about having a conversation about the traffic on the highway on a Saturday afternoon. Like, that's the last thing that I care about. I want to focus on how I'm going to take away this pain. Uh, so even when he was telling me to just breathe when we were in the car, um, I didn't want him to talk to me. Like, just let me work through this by myself. Would you say that he was sensitive to that? or No, I think he understood. Um, I think at the end I was probably not nice to him more times than I was nice. Uh, so I think he just let it like kind of roll off of his shoulders um, because he knew that right now is something that we've neither of us have ever gone through in our lives. So I need that time to just like be for me. 
Um, but that didn't stop him from trying, of course. He wanted to be there, but he really didn't know how. Uh, so I think him speaking was his way of trying to be there. Um, and unfortunately, that was the last thing that I wanted to hear. <laughs> I usually say that to the couples I have during my Lamas classes, that whatever happens in the room, it's a little bit like whatever happens in Vegas stays they in should, Vegas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> whatever happens in the room stays in the room. And some women get very annoyed, very irritated, and not always very nice towards the oh. partner, because that's the person that you know best. And, and the, the frustration, you take it out on that person, yeah, exactly. not on the staff. No. Because you know that you need to be really nice to the yes. staff because they're there to help you. Yeah, exactly. But the partner can, you know, sometimes have a rough time. So that's, I think that is good and important to talk about prior to birth. Uh-huh. That, you know, especially if you know yourself that I think that this might happen. Yeah. I think that I might be the person that can become really rude. Oh. And I want you to not take it personal because this is something that I do because I have to do it to get yeah, through exactly. it. Yeah, oh. exactly. So you just have a a pre-understanding about it. That's a really good idea. It's really smart because you don't know how you're going to react. No, exactly. And you do whatever you need to do to give birth to this baby. It's hard freaking work. Yeah. So would you say that this experience has changed the way you look upon yourself? Yes. I mean, of course, I have good self-confidence. But after this experience, I actually like remember sending messages to some of my friends after saying that I'm a superhero. Like, I felt like such a superhero. I just gave birth, like, naturally, in an hour and a half from parking the car at the hospital. Like, I am amazing. So it's kind of brought out a different kind of confidence in myself. You kind of got high on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Which is maybe not the best thing, but... (laughs) Well, in, in that sense, I think it's a fantastic thing. To, you know, celebrate this accomplishment that you have mm-hmm. done. And pre- pregnant women need to hear these stories. Yeah. So that's why I'm so happy you're here to share it. I think there's so much focus on the negative. That oh, people so much are fo- afraid to tell we're, their positive stories. Yes, that's my opinion too. And we're so afraid of so many things. And there is a lot of negativity around birth. Mm-hmm. So if there would be one advice you'd like to pass forward to other women preparing for birth, what would that be? Let your body do its job and don't be so hard on yourself because I think as a pregnant woman it is really easy to be hard on yourself because your body is going through so many changes and for me it was that I wasn't going up enough in weight but I think I thought that I still looked ginormous when I looked in the mirror and so it's quite difficult on myself and then I was you know scared to let my that my body was like failing me because I wasn't getting so big um, but in all reality, like your body knows what it needs. Is there it's something hard, It's hard wrong? to trust the good yeah, feelings. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to trust the good things. So I always had like doubts. You know, I was really nervous. And of course, everything was fine. She ended up being born at 3,700 grams. So she was not a small baby. She was rather big. A normal size yeah. to the bigger end size. Yeah, maybe. to the bigger yeah. end size. But it is so hard because when we are pregnant and when we give birth, we're so sensitive to the opinions of other people. And it's hard to shut them out, but you, you usually need to do that. And yes. especially people's opinions on how, oh, you are really big. Are you sure that everything is all right? Are you sure or are you really twins? small? Yeah. So there are all these opinions uh, about how you look, how much weight you have gained or how much weight you haven't gained. Mm-hmm. That uh, is so stressful for the women pregnant. So I think we need to all think about that. Yes. How we talk about you pregnant know, women, pregnant women oh. and their bodies. Mm. What was the best part of giving birth for you? The whole day was actually like a pretty good day. Like I got a good breakfast and I went on a long walk and 
So the fact that it wasn't so stressful. I mean, of course, like the few minutes before we went to the hospital was super stressful. Um, and the whole experience in the hospital when it happened so fast was stressful. But overall, the day was so relaxed. It was like so unplanned and so chill. And I really liked that because it was like if I had been in, which I say that I would have really liked to have a long hospital birth because I think it would be really good to experience it. But having it at home, just the two of us watching TV, eating good food, despite the pain, it was such a fun day. And I think that overall makes the whole birth experience so much better because I've just got to relax and enjoy my time with my husband. Like our last day together was spent eating good food, going on a long walk in the spring weather. And like, I got a massage by him. Like what could be better than that? Not much. No. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. If there is one myth that you like to kill in this podcast, what would that be? Nothing you do is going to start your labor. Your child will come when it wants, how it wants, how quickly it wants. Uh, I think we tried every method in the book, except for castor oil. We did everything else. No, nothing happened. She came after watching A Dog's Purpose. Crying, you cried. Crying. Crying or laughing really hard is good. It releases, you know, the tension. Oh, maybe that's why. (laughs) And then actually starts a good hormonal process with endorphins and like, yeah. No, but a good cry or a good laugh. Yeah, (laughs) but really the baby is just going to come whenever it's ready. And that's totally fine. Did you know that you had this superhero power within you? No, I never thought that I would actually be strong enough to have a medicine-free birth. I said that I wanted it, but in the back of my head, I knew that I was going to ask for an epidural because I didn't think that I had a very high pain tolerance. Most women want to have an epidural around (laughs) seven centimeters dilation. (laughs) That is my experience. Yeah, but I found out very quickly that I really am capable of so much more than I thought. The fact that I bur- I didn't, bur- I guess I wasn't in active labor for that long at home. But the, the, ch- the fact that I was able to stay home and I was in the car during that transitional phase, it's like, it made me realize that I am much, much, much stronger than I actually thought. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I. Thinking about it now, almost one year later, I, I really do still feel like a superhero. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, it's been lovely to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Wasa Holstein. And thank you so much, Kenzie, for sharing your superhero story about giving birth with us. An empowering and positive experience from giving birth is not always equivalent to birth being without complications. I think that is so important to know. If you feel safe and respected, complications can arise, be managed and still leave you with a feeling of being a superhero. It is something about pushing through the hardship that can make us feel even extra strong and capable. This story has now gotten eternal life and will be passed forward in aim to help other women in their preparation for birth. I just love it. If you want to read more about me and this mission of mine, go to the positivebirthstorypodcast.com to be sure that you don't miss an episode, do subscribe. 
and I am very happy to announce that the Positive Birth Story podcast is now one of the contributors to Girls Globe, which is a media organization that amplifies voices of women and girls worldwide and inspires people to take action on issues related to human rights, social justice and gender equality. Check out Girls Globe at girlsglobe.org and on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you from the depth of my uterus and I hope you will come back for more episodes. Bye for now. Thank you.